You are asked to vote at the termination of the trial of George Seddon. Final statement from the accused begins. I confess to the charges, but plead mitigation. I try to suppress these thoughts, but they leak out in second level through the head wound of my third death. I was imperfectly repaired. No, that is not true. I think what I think. I hate you all. I hate you all. I hate you all. Especially me. Vote, please. Vote, please. Episode 150, Cult Matt Mark, Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And uh, make sure to head over to Facebook at the Cult Matt Mark and like us, or head over to our blog at the Cult, uh, at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com, or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to head over to the Amazon and pick up my novel, Nova Byzantium, out uh, courtesy of Mass Books. And show news, Mr. Hudson. You got any show news this week? Uh, not this week, you know, other than, uh, go Hawks and uh, go Pats too, supposedly. So, all right. Yeah. And, uh, to all our Seattle brethren, don't get the measles down there in Arizona. So, <laughs> That's a good uh, point. You know, I was, yeah. th- I was thinking about, I was talking to somebody at work about betting on games on these, on the big game. And, you know, I thought it'd be a good idea. And maybe I should go over to, uh, God, what is, what is one of those great, how about DraftKings.com? Oh yeah, and, uh, uh, check DraftKings, out. Uh, uh, and I was thinking, uh, help our friend a, Travis out. They're over at DraftKings. I think DraftKings is doing all right for itself. But I was thinking about putting a hedge bet on the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Bowl. Oh, well, yeah. the idea is you bet against a team you don't want to win, and that way, if your team loses, at least you earn some money. You know, that's but a if good idea. If your team wins, you're out the bet money, but your team won. It's sort of a way to make ah, make, make the you most... feel better about the day. Yeah, either way, I'm thinking maybe I should like go through you know like just something like fifty bucks down or something. Yeah, and they're like, God damn it, the Hawks lost, but hey, I'm up fifty. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. I don't think go out and like wrong. drink yourself into a stupor into the gutter for free, courtesy of the Patriots. <laughs> That's, That's right. A good idea. Nice idea, man. I like it. Yeah, I think I bet, I bet a lot of people do that. Uh, but to be fair, DraftKings is not a sports betting site. It is a fantasy football site. Oh, it's so, oh, you can't bet on the oh. See, yeah, I don't know. Don't, wanna, don't get yeah. Don't give them a bad name, man. Or, or friend <laughs> I don't know. Travis where do you, will be where on do you go to bet doorstep. on this stuff? Ah, uh, shit, man. I don't know. I don't bet. I don't have that gene in me yeah, for me whatever neither. reason. But actually, I don't have that might be a good idea. I have like uh, I don't know for 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 better or worse a lack of, of of an addictive gene. So the whole betting thing for me is never uh uh is never never got into my body chemistry. But, well, you uh, don't have the budget after all that money for, you blow on the strip clubs and the champagne. Ah, that's true. Yeah, I mean is yeah, is 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 that a problem? I don't know. Well, that's I don't know. Can you be addicted to that? I think so. I think oh, right. I think well, you pretty much be addicted to anything. I think then, uh, the, I'm in trouble. Except for you can't be addicted to reading War and Peace over and over again. I'm pretty sure that's an addiction nobody has. Um, I bet if you were compulsed 
to read that book ceaselessly, that would be a mental health problem. I think it would be more paranoid schizophrenia at that point. Or, I think it would uh, be a compul- obsessive-compulsive disorder presentation. Oh, that would be a terrible one. Jesus, of all the things you could be addicted to, you know, like uh, Call of Duty. But no, you're stuck reading, uh, who was that, Tolstoy? <laughs> no, man. That, it's not. It, both of those, I think, are more fun than what people actually go through when they're obsessive-compulsive. <laughs> I think you're right. Anyway, I got strangely uh, bitter uh, when when I put something on Travis's thing that said, he said, go Pats. And I'm like, really, dude? And then I got all like territorial and, and sportsy really? about it. Yeah. Oh, re- are like, you serious? Traitor. I, saw, I that? saw that comment there, but I thought your tongue was firmly placed in your cheek for that. It kind of was. But I was just like, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah, it's like a born again uh <laughs> Born again sports fan or something. I guess that happened. Uh, in the well, Northeast, I mean, if you so. work in the industry, I mean, I think you probably get. I mean, you probably get excited. Plus, it's exciting. I'm going to watch the game tomorrow. I'm excited about it. Oh it's yeah, me be, too. It's going to be a blast. You know, I'm going to be going to be drinking some. Uh, actually, I watched a pretty funny uh, SNL had like a retrospective of their sports uh, oh, skits. Yeah, and they and they had a, oh, an excellent Farley uh, skit. Uh, it was a fake commercial for Schmidt's Gay. Oh, oh, that's a good one. It's yeah. a hilarious. I hadn't seen that one in years with all the guys in the Marvel yeah, sacks. Oh god, that fucking is a hilarious skit. So I was thinking, is is the New England Patriots the only regionally designated team? Uh, like, there's the Carolina Panthers, uh, which is like like North and South state designated, but usually professional sports teams are affiliated with the city. Uh, but then you have like the Minnesota Vikings and the Carolina Panthers, but new England, is not one state. They get like six states and they just lump them all in. It's like the most, it's like the multi-state professional, uh, football team that I could think of. Yeah, it is. It's a little surprising. There's not one more football team up there. Well, there's no other uh, towns, man. I mean, there's a lot of people live in new England. You got Connecticut and Massachusetts yeah. alone is an enormous number of people. Um, if they could probably support two teams if they really wanted to, I mean, just think of New York State. It's got three teams in it. Three? Oh yeah, you're yeah, right. Well, no, it actually Jets, technically the Giants and the Bills. Technically, uh, the Giants aren't in New York. They're in well, they're New called Jersey. the New York Giants. I know. But they but, but, but the Jersey. Jets and the Giants play in New Jersey. That Jets play in New Jersey? They play in the same stadium. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought they played like in Queens or some shit. Nope. Oh. Nope. Nope. All right. Okay, we are boring the fuck out of our uh, fanboys. Uh, really? You think so? Oh, you know, look, everybody gets into sports. I mean, if you want to be like uh, some sort of a feat uh, hipster and say, "Oh, I don't follow the exciting, you know, physical contest that is That's professional right. sports," I don't That's know right. what to say, man. It's it's exciting. It's classic. It's man versus man. I mean, it's. Listen I understand to, not getting caught up, caught up in it when it's when you don't have any skin in the game. At least as far as the skin of my regional team is better than your regional yeah, team. Yeah, my regional team is better than your regional team. But yeah. you know, look, whatever, whenever, wherever you live, even if you live there for a little while, you get excited when one of the local sports franchises is is getting up. I mean, there's an energy that comes with it. It's just uh, you natural. Know what, it, if you want to hear the divergence of the, those two demographics of the hipster feats and uh, football, listen to the radio, latest Radiolab podcast. It's uh, uh, oh. screamingly evident. So. Oh, I did. You know, uh, 
Radio know. Lab. This you was actually like one of the better Radio Labs I've heard in a while, yeah. but it still wasn't that great. No, I did. I did. I, you know, usually I don't even listen to Radio Lab. It's gotten so poor lately. This one was pretty good. I mean, it was the second. The, the second piece wasn't very good, but oh, I didn't. The, I didn't get that far yet. I'm the I first still, piece. I'm still the first piece about Pop Warner. I never, yeah. you know, I knew that there was a guy named Pop Warner. Where's Pop Warner football with little kids, right? Yeah, because I, mean, I think football. he started that or was named after him. And that's all I knew about Pop Warner. He was like some coach. I didn't know this whole connection with Native Americans. It makes me think about um, the Redskins maybe a little differently. I know. I was thinking about that, uh, not being completely, horribly, terrifically racist. Uh, it, you know, uh, I don't know. You could You could just change it. Just change the name from the Redskins to the shit. I don't know. I got an idea. Why don't everybody just stop being a bunch of fucking whiny bitches? Yeah. Just go to the uh, goddamn games. Own, own your racism. Christ. Anyway, oh, all right. I, can hardly, I, I, I can't classify it as racism. Uh, I don't know what to classify it other than poor taste now, but at one time I wasn't. So, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? All right, let's get into our film this week. Uh, our film is My Choice, the 1974 John Borman cult classic, Zardoz. Uh, plot rundown here. Sean Connery plays Zed, the central rebel who begins the film as a member of the Exterminators, a band of skilled assassins who exact a reign of terror over the lesser brutals. The Exterminators answer only to their god, a gigantic stone image known as Zardoz. Haunted by doubt, about Zardoz's true divinity, Zed chooses to investigate. His disbelief is confirmed when the god proves to be a fraudulent tool of the Eternals, a secret society of brilliant immortals who pretend to divinity in order to exploit the masses. Knowing the truth, Zed sets out to reveal the hoax and destroy the Eternals' unjust rule. So, there you go. There you have it. Yeah, I mean, that that synopsis raises a pretty important question that maybe we should just ask right from the get-go i understand you know we, when you we think about zardoz or uh, or arthur arthur frayne who, who mm-hmm. is the the eternal that masterminds the whole he zardoz engineers movie. the 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 infiltration of uh zed yeah you know um one thing is I understand their idea, you know, there's some setup, there's some problems with the Eternals, they have some structural issues with being able to produce enough food, so they start going to the outside world and using their exterminators to uh, basically raise like a slave workforce from the other brutals to make grain. And that that makes sense, and I understand why uh, Arthur Frayne and and I'm sure the other, the the sort of uh, uh, shared mind of the Eternals would decide to poor resources in making a flying head and going through all the hullabaloo just to get it up and running, you know, even though they yeah. don't really care about managing it. But the question is, it seems like it started where the flying head went out there just to get exterminators together to kill the dregs of yeah. humanity that were left in the world. And my question was, why are the, why do the Eternals want to do that? That's a good point. Well, so I mean, they're basically the, in these impervious like strongholds. Why do they care what goes on in the outside world other than to exploit it uh, for uh, for food production or some, some other economic gain? So there's a scene there, which I thought was a terrific scene towards the end of the film, which uh, sort of is the, I guess, the origins of the vortices, which are these hermetic 
uh, zones in, uh, I guess what could only be considered uh, rural Ireland since it's where it was filmed. Well, and, there's, there's, there's many zones. We only see one of them, zone Yeah, four, we only I see one, one of the vortexes. Mm-hmm. And so they seal it off, and uh, they have uh, sort of a gift of regeneration from one of their technologies, which is sort of that tabernacle uh, mm-hmm. idea. And so they're all hanging out there. And then beyond the invisible barrier, there's the poor wretches, the starving medieval masses you know, oh, after yeah. the fall of humanity, yeah, that's right. just just kind of looking, and they're just just cruelly uh, oblivious to all these, you know, the miserable brutals. But they're not. They, had, they, they say they had to make themselves hard. Maybe that's why they initiated the. That's the only thing I can think of. Really. Is just like uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it was a, a, a sort of a put put them out of their misery, or 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 you know, just get rid of the whole. Uh, you know the the, the con- I don't know. Well, it's like of- it's like the city rounding up on all its homeless and giving them one way bus ticket out of Jacksonville. Yeah. There right? you go. Or if you're in Hawaii, giving them a one way ticket to L.A. You know, that or kind of you know, thing. starting a hunting ground that you hunt the ultimate game. You know, we've all done it. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think I think that's a, that might have been the reason they did it. Yeah, or I mean, and then the then then this whole Zardoz thing maybe was going on for a while before Arthur took it over and sort of uh, as part of the uh part of the sort of the 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 more recent uh, schemings of uh of friend and and Arthur and uh maybe May to I think it was really just Arthur and friend to pervert uh the system in order to overthrow themselves right right so mm-hmm. yeah like Arthur is given sort of this lowly job Right, he's he's one of the few immortals who goes out beyond, or the Eternals that goes out beyond the vortex. He's the to, only one. Yeah, and so you know, he's. I think his job was to manage the Outlands. Like yeah, they, they, yeah. They, they, whatever that meant, manage mm-hmm. the Outlands. Well, I mean, uh, at least it meant recruiting and maintaining exterminators. And, and he, exter- he did something different with it because he made it a breeding program. I think the exterminators maybe were something different before Arthur took it over. Yeah, he ad- advocated, I guess, what rape or something. I, it was, or maybe it, he did something where he actually created the Zardoz mythos after the fact. Um, well, from something else, it's not really explained. I guess it's not that important. He, he is he's pretty serious. He he did the selective breeding of of the exterminators, right? You, you don't get like sort. You don't see the mechanics of that, though. Well, that's explained. That it was his doing. That they have these that created Zed, the sort of Ubermensch that right. comes to overthrow the Liberator. I think they call him. So Zed, in his pillaging and raping, uh, stumbles across uh, an ancient library somewhere. In well, he doesn't the stumble Outlands. across it. He's led there by Arthur. Well, he's led there by Arthur, right? Mm-hmm. He sees a face in the window and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then he goes in and he teaches himself to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he, um, I guess, pours through all the books in the library and then is led once again by Arthur to the Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. uh, and reads that and then comes to the revelation that Arthur, there is a man behind the curtain. There's a man behind the stone head. Well, he just uh, comes to question, question his religion, right? Right, mm-hmm. and and unlike most of humanity, he's able to actually, uh, you know, crawl into the Godhead literally 
and yeah. uh, find the mechanisms of the divinity, which is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's an interesting sort of idea, a, a paradigm. And uh, then he then he keeps talking about revenge. And that's mm-hmm. one thing I didn't quite understand either. It's like, what's what revenge for? What exactly? What is? I mean, was that the was that the, the for cover being tricked? Story? I think was mainly the what for being tricked, for being used, for being a pawn. I mean, he it's, wants just, to... it's, it's just a general when somebody takes away your free will or your freedom of choice. It's a. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you'd have a hard time classifying as some sort of violence towards your person and that's how he that's how he feels about it yeah somebody that makes you do something uh repeatedly although i got the sense that they were kind of end up blowing fuckers away on horseback it didn't seem like they were really, you know. yeah they were sort of they were sort of the the mongols yeah they they're like the horseback Mongol warriors hordes. and they raped and they killed and they ate meat and that's what they did yeah, yeah. They were kind of patterned after that. They were the very primal warlike nature of humanity. And but I think also with Zed he had sort of have a he had a deep curiosity as well. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but uh, he was uh, supposedly an incredible, you know, superman type being. So you no wonder maybe great, greatness was uh preordained for him. So Zardoz, I've, I'm trying to remember the first time I saw Zardoz. It was uh, back at Perry Mills, uh, professor at Western's film class. Oh, you saw it in the, in the Mills film class? Yeah. Uh, uh, and and uh, Perry Mills yeah. was sort of a, a notorious professor uh, of, I guess, the arts department there. In, like all uh, one-eyed people. There's something seriously. Yeah, he was a one eye. He's kind of like yeah. a Chihuly, man. Yeah, yeah, something fucking like. How do you lose that eye? What the fuck was going on there? And uh, anyway, he was a. Uh, I guess he was. He was a. He's a little bit flamboyant, but he was definitely a rabble rouser, and he got in trouble a lot. With, yeah, I think did uh, they throw him out of the university eventually. In the I don't know if 2000s? they threw him out, but he was definitely on probation most of the time he was up mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. and and he was one of these guys that had a chip on his shoulder uh, because the classes that he had to teach were sort of these general requirement classes, and I think what his 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 rage was focused at was the inability of most college students to write a coherent three-paragraph essay. I think that's like, that That I think infuriated him more a than anything. A three-paragraph essay? That's a pretty... That's well, pretty whatever. Uh, no, sorry, five-paragraph essay. There but, you, you know, to write an essay, to write a fucking essay. Well, I, I, I mean, think, like, wait, how, would you, would, how would your quality essay be that you'd bust out tomorrow on some random topic that was explained to you in, in a sentence and you had 20 minutes to write it? Well, now it would be well twenty minutes for fuck's sake. But now I, I've I've written enough that I think I could. Uh, oh, that's right. You do write quite a bit. Yeah, I think I could. I, I'd be okay. But 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 back then, I I I thought of myself as a decent writer, and I haven't pulled out an old essay of mine. I'd like to, but I'm sure it was shit. You know, I'm sure all like freshman, sophomore essays are shit in college, uh, unless unless somebody's 
adept or skilled at it, mm-hmm. and I definitely wasn't. And so wasn't a lot of the, the, the you know, the the uh, business students that were taking his class. So he had this kind of ragey attitude <laughs> towards all, towards his students, and you know, calling them stupid or dumbasses or mm-hmm. you know, dressing them down in front of other students. So he had this issue. But uh, he had a film class, and his choices of film were very eccentric and peculiar. And so, of course, he had, like, the standards in there, like Battleship Potemkin and <clears throat> the uh, 39 Steps. And I'm trying to think of the other one. Uh, oh, of course, uh, Jesus Christ, um, uh, Citizen Kane. And then he had Zardoz in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, you know, sitting there and, like, starts showing Zardas on the big screen because the class was in a theater. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching here? You know, and mm-hmm. everybody was giggling and laughing because mm-hmm. it was so fucking outlandish and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but it stuck with me, and I've watched it maybe three or four times since then. <clears throat> and this is my latest watching, and so I watched it from sort of a... Uh, maybe a fanboy's perspective, trying to kind of absorb all the nutrients out of Zardoz that I could. And I was realizing that it's a fucking fantastic science fiction story. Yeah, this is a great movie. This is really, uh, this is one of the better pieces I think we've reviewed of science fiction. This is really awesome. I mean, I was was watching it, and through the lens of modern technology and modern ideas, there's so much here that, uh, that, we, I guess, leverage when we consider the future. And one of those things that I thought was, was uh, you know, extremely uh, prophetic was this idea of uploading and downloading your consciousness from a computer into a clone version of yourself, which Zardoz, it, it doesn't, you know, it through exposition doesn't lay it on the table for you. But through the tabernacle and that crystal, which he talks about. It lays you know, it a bit near the end. It gets a little <coughs> mumbo jumbo technically wise, more than I think it needed to be. When it talks about the crystal, and there is some sort of... Associative some sort memory of, some, some, some sort of photonic communication method between the main crystalline holographic computer itself the artificial intelligence and these crystals that are implanted in the immortal's mind that so they have a real-time uh psychic link to one another well the whole idea of uh holographic data storage with using sort of um crystals you can pack like a shit ton of data into uh like a holographic crystal like a hologram is a two-dimensional uh, augmentation of a wavefront to give you sort of a three-dimensional image. Um, but if you have it a crystal, it turns into three dimensions and you can sort of layer, you know, uh, information just almost, you know, ad infinitum. And so that's at least the idea. And I don't know if that was something that was out there in like popular mechanics at the time or something. But I, mean, I think, used I think the physics of holograms was pretty well understood <laughs> by the time this film was made. They never actually used the term hologram. No, they didn't. In, just in, refracted light was what he yeah. was talking about. It's just fine. I mean, I don't think it's ever good for a... I mean, in this movie, a couple times, it's a little mumbo-jumbo-y, which is 
a little too bad. I think it'd be nice if they would have laid off it a little bit, but uh, that's a minor quibble. But uh, I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. So yeah. So it has this idea of. Uh, I kept thinking of uh, that shitty Schwarzenegger movie, The Sixth Day. Did you see that? Uh, no, I never did. Is that where there's some clones or something? Yeah, like you have this. Uh, you know this uh, uh, closet, if you will, of clones and. Uh, once you uh, die, uh, then you just download again to a clone sprain, and then you're good to go. You know, so there's all well, these. How like, often do hit. they back up your mind? I don't remember. I'm sure that the movie was plot so the, written so, too. So the idea in the movie is that uh, somehow multiple hymns get activated at one time. Well, it was like he has these hitmen pursuing him or something, and, and like they fall off buildings, and then all of a sudden they're just zapped back into existence, and then they, uh, mm. you know, come out of the factory, and and like yeah, they have some sort of a constant upload or whatever that they can remember things and recent memory and all that okay. kind of crap. Hmm. So, not a good example, but the idea is there, and the idea is 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 pretty extensive in a lot of recent science fiction. Uh, I read a, <clears throat> actually a good book called Altered Carbon. And uh, the idea there is that your uh, entire brain is is uh, kind of a ROM that sits in the base of, of, of a human being's spine and that you can transfer from body to body. And so there's this interstellar agent and he uh, needs to travel in between like Earth and some other interstellar system so they'll shoot his uh rom through space kind of like data and then it'll upload into hardware into a new body and then he'll go walk around and kind of stuff like that so uh, it's not a clone but it's still a same idea that that you can digitally download into a, a human and just isn't isn't that book is where you like trade with somebody like you trade bodies yeah there's that like, another yeah, short like, story it's like a timeshare. Yeah, you know? it's like a B- BRBO for your body, and it's and it's pretty it's pretty funny because the 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 guy gets into a body that has a smoking problem, mm. so he's always like, he's God damn it, I gotta go buy another pack of cigarettes. You know? so yeah, he's like beholden to uh, the body's shitty vices. That he well, I mean, if you if you like did something and you rented a room and the guy for a week and the guy was a smoker in that room, that would fucking suck yeah because you're out doing business all your clothes end up smelling like smoke would be disgusting yeah, anyway it's a good book but the, the idea is is has been kicking around and i was trying to think of of when if anywhere the idea that borman puts out here in 1974 had been thought of or put to print prior and maybe it had but uh definitely not to the idea of that's how you capture immortality. Well, you know, amazing enough, we had this whole immortality and the tabernacle would recreate your body if you died and your existence would go on. And that's fine. I don't think that's the most interesting aspect of the society. I think the most interesting aspect of the society is the, the shared mind space that people have. And they use some, some nomenclature to sort of describe it. And by the end of the movie, I think you have a pretty good idea of it. That's sort of why I picked that bit at the intro where there's a a criminal, a psychic criminal. 
who yeah. was having some antisocial thoughts during a certain like mind meld type of uh, meditation that they're required to uh, uh, be part of as part of the society. Right. And basically, he got shunned from society because he had some <laughs> negative thoughts. I think that's I think that's the more interesting aspect. The sort of um, it's sort of a brutal, almost like a fascist democracy that they live in. Uh, well, yeah, you're 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 you're. I mean, you're, if you think about think about it this way, if if you take a body politic and you can meld them all into one mind, and that one mind is the dictator. How is that that much different from any other, you know, dictatorship? It's like the PC police, man. Well, I mean, you're still beholden to this power that's higher than you because you're a small part of it. Doesn't really make much difference. There's still this sort of omniscient being hanging over your head, and it's incredibly fickle and cruel. I mean, yeah, it's it, uh, it. Well, it's it, it's it's a manifestation of like thought crime, right? And uh, well, beyond that, it's how how it's prosecuted. I think is is very well, very inhuman. It's like a viral attack on you know you, you uh, yeah you have one of these antisocial thoughts, and then the body, like you see with friend, you know, he's mm-hmm. sitting there in 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 the room, just fucking bored out of his mind and hating on everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, he just is like fuck it, and then they just totally get up in sort of a cheesy scene and just fucking like just you know flatline him right there yeah right? the incapacitated that's not really the thing i'm talking about it's more about the punishment they meet out by sort of oh, playing aging. around with your immortality i mean they classify people within that society in some interesting ways i mean you have the eternals but within the eternals you have the renegades which they age to old age and they just st- and they just stay there yeah, and then they just leave you, you know, sort of in a decrepit state and throw you bread because you can't right. die. And right. then, then, of course, there's the apathetics, which I think is more of the problem with their society. Yeah. Uh, I think that's more of the uh, the bigger issue with their ins- unsustainability, which is why they end up using uh, uh, the slave labor. But I just I found that aspect of society the most interesting, where yeah. what does this real connectedness really do to you? And what does it let, you know, the body politic do to the individual when it can see very deep into your being? And there's a supervisor that sits above all that knows everything. That is an interesting is idea. I hadn't really focused on it, but you're right. It's it's a form of uh, dystopia mm-hmm. that uh, I'm trying to trying to pull out from my uh, big jumbled bag of of sci-fi tropes. And see if there's any any other uh, uh, any other stuff out there. No, that, did that you read Banks's book? Uh, was it Ian M. Banks' um, Surface Detail? No, I'd heard about it though. Well, it's sort of an after. Haven't, it's, haven't read it yet, but it's sort of a a world where people, thing. yeah, where, where people's mind live in a construct, and where I'm not sure exactly if it deals with this, but my guess is it probably does to a certain extent. I mean, if your mind is totally deconstructed and reconstructed it could probably be probed in infinite detail and it could be i mean you sort of lose that i don't know that sort of i mean I, it's a terrible, well you lose I mean, your individuality yeah. obviously i mean we're right? all terribly separated by an infinite void from one another that we try to grope through with these spoken words that are a pale imitation of what's going on in your mind 
but um, is it much better to have that have that void suddenly crossed? So the Eternals are psychic, uh, but they're psychic via the, the the crystal implant, right? Is is there's like a, a physical mechanism? It's not supernatural, is it? I mean, is that? I uh, know. Well, I mean, I don't believe it's supernatural. No, it has to do. It's, it has to do with this crystal mechanism. It's some, it's some technology that was developed uh, that right. allowed that. I'm not sure. The aging, I think, is some separate thing as well. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's. I think this whole idea of the of the Eternals is probably sort of a uh, sort of a multiple technologies uh, coming together to create this sort of uh, special class of people. I like how they describe these people: the rich. Um, the rich, who 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 became the Eternals? They called the rich, the powerful, and the clever. Oh yeah, became so, the Eternals, and everybody else was left to die. Though they don't explain why the world was dying. Yeah, don't really I, need to. That's I'm fine. glad because that would have been better for Interstellar if they would have not. Yeah, that's right. Was telling. That's right. Because the world doesn't seem that bad. You can still grow grain in it. Uh, yeah. What? How exactly? I mean, if you can uh, grow, if you can fucking grow grain, what is wrong with your world? If you can grow uh, grain, you can feel you can feed a population. Well, I mean, it's it's just that it's just that that we, that, we don't have we don't have to poke a hole in the moon. No, but it's something just, happened. It's it's just feeds into uh, the whole like yeah, society will eventually come to a halt at some point, and you know this is it, and it happens in the year twenty two thirty nine. Oh, well, no, that's that's the year we're in, I believe. Well, I know, but that, that's true. Yeah, because yeah, you don't get the impression how long the Eternals have been around. Well, they talk like about it. Years. You, know, you hear people talk about 250, maybe 300 years, the oldest ones. Um, okay. You know, there's a, isn't there a, a sci-fi short story? We might have read it in, uh, what's his name, sci-fi classes. Oh, uh, Mr. King. And, um, or maybe I read it somewhere else. It was something about a All story right. where... Um, uh, the society is trying to get rid of its useless people. And so it creates this plan where they have to get they have to leave their planet. It's like a big ruse and they separate the, the people of the world into three classes, like the, the great minds, the thinkers, the scientists, the skilled laborers, and then everybody else that's in like the service industries and stuff. And uh, they put them on three different ships and the, the service people get launched first to go. Okay colonize another planet and then they don't watch the other two ships and society's just <laughs> happier they got rid of a bunch of everybody they didn't like. <laughs> yeah sorry suckers that's a good one you wonder if in, in this case the best you know the best people left society and society collapsed because of that uh there could be all varied reasons why you, you get you the world of zardoz yeah, yeah yeah but uh you know, uh, you're 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 here. You're left with the world as it is in the movie, with uh, minimal explanation, and that's perfect. Uh, there's no reason to uh, uh, go into the cause. It's not relevant to the story, you know. Um, but the, I think the most interesting idea of this is the idea of the Eternals and the uh, dystopia or the dysfunction that happens when people finally achieve immortality or a version of immortality as best as uh, uh, modern uh, science and technology can create for you. And yeah, I mean, society's falling apart, which is why Friend and, and Arthur are going through this this complicated plot. Right. And, 
you know, I it's it's um, I, you kind of dabble with this question occasionally watching like a vampire movie. You know, uh, would you achieve like some level of psychosis if a body that was uh, designed to die after a mind know, that was designed to or die. a mind that was designed to die? Uh, we're all designed to die um, perpetuates. Yeah, and- that's, that's the sort of the problem, I think, with the society in general. It's main main flaw is that they they live in a world of absolutes. Either you have to die which is the situation now or you can't die you have to say yes or no to death and i don't know why why couldn't you make a utopia where you could say maybe i guess it comes to the whole thing where the the hatred that society has for suicide we mentioned it last time if you lived in a society that gave everybody immortality would society loathe people who decided to give up their immortality my guess is they probably would and well, maybe yeah. That's why society doesn't allow it. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're they're uh, even the idea of it. Well, know. they don't really have a choice in this society. But the you know the the scientist guy you see in one flashback, it was he he made the choice a long time ago that he would remove people the choice of people whether they wanted to be immortal or not, either they were or they weren't. Right. And that's right, really right. the that was the I think the grave mistake. And it left everybody imprisoned, which basically the equate the equate of vortexes with near the end of the movie that they're just a, a type of prison. Uh, that's true. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, I it it it, it Zardoz asks a lot of nice questions, I guess, from a scientific science fiction point of view, that just makes you ponder. And uh, you know, this viewing made me ponder sort of the byproducts of immortality. And what, you know, uh, what, if you just were given free reign, I mean, would you eventually commit suicide? I don't see why of, you shouldn't be allowed to, or at least just stop living. I guess you could, you could equate it however you want. Well, you, you get the apathetics, which are basically people who have given up living but still live. Well, you, you see know? those people in the world today. Maybe not quite as extreme as that, but that seems like a probably a pretty good coping mechanism for not wanting to be part of the bullshit any longer and not being allowed to die. Yeah, just, you just fucking uh, zone out. You just fucking like somehow manage to still dress yourself and eat a eat a bagel or two. But uh, yeah, for the most part, just uh, you're 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 you've just wiped your mind. And uh, I'm. Uh, See that kind of thing is just like well, would that happen? Would you get that? Would you get people who who um, can just kind of go comatose because they're you know, life's fucking tough, man. It's even tough if you're you're an international playboy. You just get bored of shit. I get bored of shit. You know, I keep thinking about how much more interesting the world was as a child, and oh, yeah. how 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 much more fun it was to have all these unknowns out there. You know, and how rich the world was with, with, I guess, all its newness and <clears throat> its lack of predictability and, uh, you know, seeing new shit for the first time and, and all that. And, uh, you know, as I've getting older, it's just like, eh, I don't give a shit anymore. You know, it's, 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 it's sad. It, 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 you know, that I'll, exact, I'll, that's the kind of person they're looking for at SpaceX. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh no, man! I can get the fire back. Don't don't sell me short. 
uh, no, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about uh, whatever my career necessarily. Maybe I am, but I, I it's uh, uh, th- and then as you just carry on and get older, then I think that you know the don't you you get dull things dull up, but you don't seem to fucking give a shit anymore. You know what I mean? Do you, I mean, do you give a shit that uh, man, that you're? I know you're, exactly what you mean. I mean, I made an appointment this week with my ophthalmologist to get some bifocals. I'm almost there. No, I'm almost <laughs> and, there with uh, you, man. And um, <coughs> I don't really care that much. I just want some bifocals. <laughs> yeah, no, I got sold the bifocals <laughs> thing from my optometrist the, uh-huh. the last time I was in. Uh-huh. It's like, yeah, the reason you're getting those headaches is that you're – you know, this is kind of failing uh-huh. <laughs> and you could probably do with some bifocals or two different <laughs> pairs of glasses, but then you'd have to switch. And I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Then you got a couple of readers sitting down on the edge of your nose. Yeah, exactly. Let me, pr- let me continue to pluck the gray ha- hairs out of my beard for a couple more, a couple more years. Huh? Right. Right. Well, there's that. There's just the general like breakdown of your, of your, of your body and, <clears throat> you know, say la vie, but you know, like you don't, you don't sit down and read David Eddings novels anymore, you know. I mean, well, why would you? I mean, I read, I read uh, the the song Ice and Fire books, and by the time I got done binging on those, I go, that's why I don't read these fucking types of books any longer. <laughs> well, I just I think like all that that sort of I don't know. For me, like I keep thinking about, um, you know, where my brain was at back when I was like an adolescent. And it was sort of immersed in sort of sci-fi fantasy stuff, and I love playing Dungeons and Dragons. And you know, I I used to have like a a, a mind for it. I used to, <clears throat> I guess, kind of crave sort of imaginative sort of uh, 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 what's the right word? Escapism, right? And uh, you know, imagine the world differently. But then as I've gotten older, it just it's all kind of doled up a little bit. Well, I think your life gets filled with responsibilities. I mean, how much of your life is filled with shit you got to do or the whole fucking the whole fucking show is going to collapse? About 98 percent, 99.8 percent of it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think that has a lot to do with it. I think, think? The, 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 the piling on of responsibilities, I think it wears on you. And I think if you just said, fuck it. And bought a villa in France because somehow you came into a big windfall of money. Uh, I think I think some of that would return. I think you're right. I think you are right. I think you would uh, when you get free of some responsibility. Um, your mind's allowed to wander into sort of uh, places that it never was allowed to previously. I mean, and if you so- bought a yacht and we're just going to cruise around some nice ports of the world for a couple of years, I bet you might think about playing some D and D again. I probably would. Yeah. I'd say, oh, fuck it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see there with my buddies in the south of France. Mm-hmm. Fucking, you like, get some hangers on that are just riding your coattails. Yeah, that's right. There's some, like, DM. You know, get, get some, like, faded rock stars in my, my dungeon master, you know, my my dunge- Dungeons and Dragons group, and we could all, like, chill out in some uh, exotic locale and mm-hmm. uh, fucking play Expedition to the Barrier Peaks or some, something Yeah, like drink that. some cold brewskis. It'd be awesome. I could do it. Yeah, well, man. You You're selling I think, me. I think, I, think, I think it has something to do with it. And I think that's why, it's, you know, people who um, retire early, you know, maybe because they work like fucking crazy people, I th- when they were younger, I think it 
you know, looking back, I think maybe they had the right idea. Maybe they had their eyes on the prize. Of course, they got, you know, they... You well, know, the money issue is the hard part They got testicular cancer and died when they were 48, <laughs> and that was a shame, but... <laughs> yeah, right. Well, no, I work with some... I've worked with some folks <clears throat> who uh, literally will say to me, I don't know what I'm going to do when I'm retired. And, and they say that in kind of a slow panic. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I can't go to work anymore. And uh, then they end up dying like a year after they, they leave the company. So. Yeah, I think you'll be fine when you retire, Matthew. I think you'll find plenty of shit to do. I think I'll be like my dad. I, 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 you, you, my dad didn't skip a beat. He just mm-hmm. was like, he was retired and in place for years uh, previous. <laughs> I called him up once and, and like his phone kept ringing. I was like, God, I know he's there. And I kept calling, like not leaving voicemails. And then he finally picked up and I was like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I, I fell asleep in my desk chair for about an hour. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Wow, that sounds <laughs> awesome. So anyway, but uh, uh, I guess Zardoz sort of confronts you with, with ideas of immortality not being that great, you know, and all the dysfunction. Well, I mean, I mean there's, it comes with its own problems. And uh, if you set some rules that are untenable right from the get-go, you're going to fuck yourself over in 300 years. So, uh, what else about Zardoz? Uh, you know, I thought some of the production was really interesting. I mean, people complain that it looks sort of dated and shit, but I don't think it really does. I mean, look, Zed's outfit is pretty stupid. But it's but, so stupid, it's awesome. That's the yeah, thing and, about um, Otherwise, I think there's a really nice consistency, especially with the clothing that the Eternals wear. I think I like the, I like they have the sort of like type of hat they wear that you see at the beginning oh, looks yeah. sort of dumb, right? Yeah, at the, at the Arthur's floating head, but then you see it over and over again, and you can tell it's just a style of dress they wear. It's like a medieval sort of uh, uh, upper class look, right? It kind of has the headdress yeah. and. You know, looks like a girl with a pearl, pearl ear, earring, kind of that that painting. Yeah, uh, yeah, or maybe a little Egyptian thing going. on. Little Egyptian, on. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I thought it was really neat. Um, you know, there's a couple of production things that I thought were were really great. Um, when we first see Zed and and he learns about sort of this, uh, the you know part of the Tabernacles networked information systems that I thought was pretty ahead of its time, how it's presented in in the movie, where people basically, it's like a, it's basically like your iPhone sort of system where you ask this little ring questions. And yeah, you the Siri. To stuff. Yeah, it's like a Siri thing. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we've all come to love the internet, and I mean, when do you not use it to look up something? Like, I was talking to somebody yesterday about John Borman. I was like, oh, you must have known. Have you seen this movie? And then I was like, oh, what? What was that movie you did? I swear to God, uh, and I, had, I looked it up. Yeah. You know, and we talked about uh, you know those various films like Deliverance and stuff. And it's not really nice having all that information at your fingertips, so you don't run into these sort yeah. Of memory Amen. Roadblocks. It's it stops it's, bar arguments. That's for sure. It's it's fucking awesome. And I thought how it was presented in this movie was really great and real, real matter of fact. And it felt real realistic. It really felt like how you live today, where. If you're having a conversation with somebody and you don't know the answer, you, somebody just reaches in their pocket, takes out their fucking phone and finds the goddamn yeah. answer and you move on. There's no more hemming and hawing or changing the conversation. You just, see, you just get over this data. You just get over the, you know, the problems with the human mind with data retention. And yeah, yeah. you just you keep going. And it's awesome. So I was, you know, I was watching that and I was thinking, did... 
Was this movie ahead of its time so much so that they thought that shit was silly when they first watched it? Like he was talking into his ring. I mean, did, beyond did, I mean, 1984. Beyond two thousand one, beyond death, Zardoz. Right, yeah. Well, beyond like at least uh, maybe nineteen ninety six. You know, I I, did people. uh, That's what I'm I'm talking about. The movies, or or, I know, I know. I'm 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 joking. Talking about uh, sort of the the, the, some of the prophetic technologies in 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 Zardoz. What I'm wondering is: is the small minds of nineteen seventy four? were watching what they thought was was a sort of uh, magical, fantastical elements of Zardoz and not maybe taking the technology that it was presenting serious enough as actually being uh, some a manifestation of something that is tangible, that like uh, we understand, but maybe the 1974 dude doesn't. Well, you know whoever, I mean? well, Borman understood it. He wrote the goddamn movie and directed it. I don't, I doubt it. I mean, we'd probably have to go. Well, we the only choice would be go back to the written documents of the time and look at this. I don't think there's any way we could surmise it coming from. Well, our like point. artificial intelligence, like you were talking about, like a networked. Well, sort the of idea, mind. the idea of a, a, a artificial mind wasn't new. I think it was something in the the idea of AI yeah. had been coined a long time before that. And people, I mean, people were getting the the popular. I mean, the the public was getting decided that this computer stuff is really going to take off. It's going somewhere. Right, uh, yeah. Seventy four people are like, I think this is going to go somewhere. I think there's, I think this thing's, you know, this thing's on a, we're on a roller coaster ride for technology, and maybe it went a lot farther than people thought it would, and maybe it didn't in some aspects, obviously. Uh, but you know, I mean, everybody was familiar with Hal, so I don't think the idea of the yeah, tabernacle was too tough of a pill to swallow. Uh, you're right. Actually, for... I forget about Hal, and Hal was a long time. It was like five years before all this. So it was more. It was more about how the interface I thought was really nicely done. And people yeah. use it. How people would use the ability to contact sort of a a smart database that you know, like all the guys at Google's, they got they put all they put the database together, and they give you a nice easy interface using natural language to use to get the information you want. And that's how what the Tabernacle does, and everybody just uses it in that matter of fact sense. So I thought was pretty realistic. The other thing that I thought was really interesting uh, during that same first scene where Zed's uh, getting familiar with with the interface of the Tabernacle. Is where um, they show the uh, the needs of the various vortices, um, and there's sort of an item list about who has what, and they're doing some sort of sharing of, of resources, and all the spellings of words had changed slightly. Oh, really? And it I sort of showed that. like carrots was spelled with a Z, and <laughs> other words were changed, which I think sort of is a natural. I thought. It was well, yeah. Neat. I mean, you could imagine that in 200 years. Whatever was the language franca of the time, lingua franca of the time, will be different in a well, I think they can of measure surprising it. ways. I think they can measure that uh, a language changes something like 25% of its vocabulary every, I want to say, 500 years or something like that. So, I mean, you go back and, and reading Shakespeare is fucking tough, man. I mean, that was well, I mean, for- it's not that hard. You know, I always think that the widespread. Uh, well, I think I don't. Know, I don't know if it really. I mean, it used to change a lot when most language was mostly just spoken, except for the highest levels of the intelligentsia. But now that with widespread um, uh, <clears throat> uh, li- literacy, I, don't, I, I wonder if this change of language is is probably seriously retarded going into the future. 
uh, do maybe I don't know. That's a good question. I just know that I I, I can't read Shakespeare for shit. And, I mean, uh, it's tough. You gotta. I mean, but Shakespeare, he was super inventive. I mean, uh, for his time. Well, that, but just the 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 functionality of of basic pronouns and uh, you know uh, qualifiers and things. And like, they're, they're well, it all... wasn't. And he's not using natural spoken language in his work either. That's true. Yeah. Um. But uh, anyways, I thought that was a really nice little touch. Yeah, it is a nice I touch. I mean, it's a real detail. And I thought some of the special effects where they were using off, they're using like off-screen projectors. I, th- yeah. I thought they did a really neat job. I thought it really looked like the image was coming out of that uh, ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I liked the, uh, as silly as it was, I loved the Zardoz head. And uh, I, I loved this sort of menace. And I also this time realized that the uh, exterminators were wearing headdresses that were basically copies of the Zardoz head. Yeah, two-sided headdresses. And two-sided, which yeah. made them creepier for some reason. So uh, one thing that, that I did find a little interesting, and they, they, they had kind of a, a silly moment where they sort of do these kind of uh, arousal experiments on Zed. Oh, yeah, was, that's pretty cool. Was the idea that if if you no longer use sex to procreate, would there be as much interest in it? Well, there's not, and they they talk about it as being a sort of a. I don't know if it's because of the procreation issue, or they went through some various modifications of their bodies to become immortals, and I think that one of the side effects was a loss of sex drive. Yeah, well, it, it does something. And the the whole immortality thing, and uh, uh, yeah, kills the libido uh, either so either artificially or naturally. Yeah, so they were sort of investigating. I thought I thought that was neat how they were sort of just you know doing some experiments, poking and, and prodding. And people had their own agendas, and it's really tough to keep your agenda private when you live in sort of a semi uh, shared mind society. I thought that was right. pretty neat. I right. think sort of had to play a real careful game of politics. The other nice thing about this movie, I think we all should mention. Is, just some awesome breasts in this movie. Just top there's some nice notch. natural '70s tatas for uh, just, all the. Uh, I mean, it's nothing but super great stuff. Absolutely awesome, and I just love that guy. So nice. Mark appreciates. Oh, you just imagine uh, what it would look like today with just everybody having breasts oh. that are way too big for their frames. It was yeah. just it was just great. And thank you, Borman. Yeah, thanks, Borman, for giving us some. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, the the. And there's actually uh, some, there's actually some rather sexually intense scenes in that movie. I guess Borman doesn't shy away from sexuality and its darkness and its light in his movies, but you know, like the scene where the apathetics are gaining some oh, motivation yeah. and they're making out with each other and it's and they're not paying attention to whose sex is who when they're pairing up for these right for the sort of sexual and I thought that was really I thought that was really interesting. Well, everybody's swingers, man. It's the seventies. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Got to throw, got to throw, got to throw the the audience a bone here and there. So I mean, I, I my dad was throwing the audience a bone. I thought it was just really neat cinema. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't think I have anything uh, nipping at my heels right now. So why don't we go ahead and hit the review? Ebert reviewed Zardoz uh, on January 1st, possibly, 
I always get suspect yeah. when it says January yeah, 1st. Yeah, like 1974. Uh, you give it two and a half stars, which I guess that's a thumbs down. That's right at the limit, right? Yeah, that's what they say. Uh, all right, well, you know, I don't know. He's uh, not crazy about this review, but let's get into it. Um, <clears throat> he starts off in, a, in a sort of a negative note here, saying that Zardoz is a trip into a future that seems ruled by perpetually stone set decorators. It's pretty low blow. Yeah. Um, and he talks about the, when we get to the vortex, there's suddenly everything is shimmering gowns and futuristic throne rooms and beautiful young people who glide around in the, at an endless debutante ball. That's not true. I think they're actually rather matter of fact about life in the, uh, well, they're in, they're, in, they're in the sort vortex. Of, there's sort of a grind to it. Yeah. I mean, they're like high peasants. Basically, yeah. Basically. Know. Yeah. They're sort of living, a. Yeah, they're living a, a sort of a, a high-end communal existence. Right. It's not a bunch of debutante balls and throne rooms. No, I mean, the, nobody seems to be having... Dishes. Yeah, nobody seems to be having a shit ton of fun. Yeah. No, I mean, some people are doing okay, and everybody sort of has their specialty in in this movie. But it is a, the, a, it is a communal specialty where everybody's got to pitch in. All right. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just not right. It's just factually not correct. Uh, he talks a little bit about the origin of Zed, saying, you know, talking, he teaches himself to read, which is true, and eventually he comes upon the Wizard of Oz, and in a moment of blinding insight, sees through the whole joke of his world structure, world social structure, and I don't know, that's it. it's a little heavy-handed in the film, the whole origin of the term Zardoz. Ah, they yeah. could have just left that out. I don't yeah. know. I don't well, know. it... It is sort of entering Wizard it's, of Oz. It's Zardoz. not the most important little... part of the film, really. Yeah, it's not. I the mean, ruse, right? It would it's almost been a... better if they would have just hinted at it by never actually stating it and showing the cover of Zardoz, of Wizard <laughs> of Oz on the screen, and having Zed block out the letter so it reads Zardoz. I think it would have been interesting if they just left it unstated, but maybe had him holding the book at one point when it, in its anger. Or something. That would have been I, a pretty I, neat... Like oh you know about that Zardoz movie you know that we had to milk it a li- you had to milk it a little bit to get the name out right I yeah mean, I don't think I don't think they needed to explain it. I think that was a weakness and, and I mean and Ebert jams onto it and makes a joke about it um, <clears throat> he says here we're getting to the meat of him of the of the of the review here he says the movie is an exercise of self indulgence by Borman. Though he says that the caveat, it's often an interesting one. I, I, well, don't, uh, I don't see this movie as, I mean, it's its own thing. But I don't know if it's really a self-indulgent movie. Well, I, 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 this movie got pretty panned when it first came out. And uh, I think, you know, after the um, success of Deliverance, uh, Borman got a name for himself. And, and he wanted to do his own movie. And then the studios let him do it. And... Uh, he came up with Zardoz, which was sort of a, a clean artistic vision on his part, minus uh, production meddling and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so whenever, you know, in, in, a movie, in the movie world, whenever a, an artist gets to do whatever the fuck they want with absolute control, critics always call it self-indulgent. I mean, you know, uh, David Lynch has been been painted as self-indulgent for years inland uh, inland empire is a little self-indulgent well there you go i mean that's that's doing exactly what the fuck he wants and not having to deal with the production company um and finding somebody to put it out i think canal 
Pluse put out uh, Inland Empire. But Borman did the same here. Uh, but I, I enjoyed Zardoz way better than Inland Empire. But it is self-indulgent, but not to a fault. And to, to call it self-indulgent is sort of doing it a disservice or, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. It's sort of dismissing it. Well, it, it's... His criticisms aren't really well thought out. It's not his best worldview. He does mention something here that I, I wanted to ask you about. He says, talking about Sean Connery's performance, he says he wonders through all of this movie with a slightly bemused expression on his face. What do you think of Sean Connery? And would another actor have been better? I, I wonder when I saw uh, Sean Connery acting in this movie that was he the best choice? I thought he did a pretty good no, job. He I wasn't the first choice. Oh, really? The first choice was Burt Reynolds, if you can believe that shit. Oh, Really? Yeah, well, he worked with uh, Borman before. It's just before this movie. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I don't know if he would have been any better. Probably well, the wouldn't thing, have been. The thing about Sean Connery that's odd is that uh, after he finished up the uh, Bond movies, yeah. the dude could not fucking get work. Could not get work. Are they got on typecast? Uh, yeah, well, typecast something. And so he did Zardoz, I think, on like as a risk, and I don't think he got paid that well uh, for doing it. So, um, well, if it know, was a it, total, it was a total freehand project by Borman. He probably didn't have a huge amount of money. No, uh, and I, 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 I guess yeah. Sean Connery's position wasn't uh, terrific at the time, so it was one of the reasons he was in this film. Hmm. That what's got him in that crazy getup. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one thing he also mentions, uh, Eva mentions here, is that um, just when he was dogging on um, the storyline a little bit, he says, um, "What do you think of the the very end scene with that sort of time lapse at the very yeah, end pretty, of the movie?" That was pretty weird, man. What did what you think about that? I thought it was I didn't pretty know heavy. It, I, well, I was like, "What am?" I, well, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of. Uh, 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 the uh, scene in uh, Led Zeppelin's The Song Remains the Same where uh, Jimmy Page climbs the mountain in the middle of, uh, fuck, what was it, Dazed and Confused, and then they uh, make-up age him in like this really sort of cheesy uh, mm. 70s morphing uh, camera trickery. And uh, anyway, that kind of reminded me of that. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit, oh, my God, this is just like, uh, it's like that Led Zeppelin film. But uh, I didn't know what to make of it. It was very, uh, fuck, I don't know why it was necessary. I guess well, that I was think, my problem. Well, I think the movie was all about immortality and the saving, the sort of the rescue of people's mortality. And then they go to show you that, what mortality I guess you're right. is and remind you of the cost of it. And part of the life we live when when we accept our mortality about reproducing and letting our scions go on with the world right and letting ourselves pass from it and be forgotten and i i mean people might say that's a little bit of a self-indulgent scene but i think we're a movie where it's all about what is the value of mortality let's not forget the cost uh true actually well no that's a good point and and uh, you know uh we've had many discussions on uh the essential nature of death and how death is one of the nature's greatest, uh, what would you call it, movers, prime movers. And uh, uh, without it, there we, well, we, it forces renewal. Well, it forces renewal and it forces reinvention. 
invention and uh, it it's uh, you know it's caught up in the genetics of it but uh it's it's what i guess progresses us as a species not not as an individual but as like a species and uh um yeah it it's 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 too violated is to be you know is 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 to violate nature in a way or at least uh it's progress or how things should move or whatever yeah i mean there's a lot of thought about you know where that you know i think the initial thinking about death is it's more of a thermodynamic process and it it is to a certain degree about sort of these these irreversible reactions that take place but there's also a lot of modern thought that evolution sort of programmed death in a bit to speed things up and uh, I mean, it programs death in management of multicellular organisms, obviously, and that's been known for a long time. But on the whole organism level, uh, it'll say, well, you know, let's, let's really ramp up the generation cycle on this organism. It, we well, could easily make it longer, but let's shorten it up. And it seems like yeah, that's actually in effect. There's no reason. I mean, well, there is a reason. But uh, like why my dog doesn't live past the age of 15, yet I live it to age 70, 75. Right, I mean, you know, the the the, uh, the uh, it, it's it's wrapped up in the DNA. Well, I mean, to a certain extent. I mean, um, I think there might be some issues with the smaller body size and higher metabolisms. That well, fuck, man. Whether you're talking about a Saint Bernard or my dachshund, they still kick it. You know, in between yeah. ten and fifteen years. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, people are getting to the bottom of it, and it's it's it's. There's multiple things going into it, obviously, but yeah, sometimes it may be evolutionarily chosen to shorten life. Well, there's like a life cycle reason why human beings need to live that long, and it has to do with uh, our ability to pass knowledge uh, and to. Uh, uh, you know, the younger generation and all that kind of stuff. Like you were talking about menopause. Uh, yeah, why I mean, is... that's, a, that's a thought that's been around for a long time. I don't know what the current science on it is, but the idea of the you want to have these dispo- pre-written language, uh, which is pretty much the entirety of human existence, that you wanted these deposits of institutional knowledge that would be around for four generations to uh, give you a, a higher chance of survival as a family group, yeah. Right, so it's it's a it's a a, a physical or physiological um, um, process that uh, helps or would help, uh, I guess, the human beings as sort of social animals, which is sort of an interesting idea that that's a governor on the biology a little bit, or it controls it a little bit. Well, I mean, know? I think it's, I think it's not so much that controls it; it's just part of the restrictions that force. The hand of our of our evolution. Well, I know, but why don't we just die at forty five? Why is you know why are we? Why do we go on another thirty years? Is there any reason for us to live past forty five? We well, do. I guess you're gonna have to. You probably have to certainly ask the right people to get a decent answer to that question. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's a mix of thermodynamics. Maybe there's something. In there, well, I mean, there's uh, there's some tissues that are laid down when you form that don't get repaired and can't be repaired, and just just fall apart it's just a matter of time until they totally fall apart this kind of be like some graduate level biology evolutionary biology course on death that would be totally fascinating well there's a lot known about cell death but whole organism i think that's yeah a, organism that's, death. i think that's a 
I mean, you I mean I'm sure it's it's probably been looked at in quite a bit of detail in like you know certain like there's certain org- small organisms where we know exactly you know how many cells you know how many times they divide, how many cells the adults have, and stuff like that, and they can be pretty well uh, understood. But I think you know you get into pretty complex systems when you get into mammals. I mean, there's a lot of shit going on and stuff to get a handle on it all. They found some deep sea, I think it was a clam, fucking clam or something in the North Atlantic, 500 years old. It's fucking 500-year-old mm-hmm. clam, man. I, I, um, it's like the longest living animal that I think they've ever found or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's some clam buried in the mud thousands of feet underwater. <laughs> yeah. For whatever I mean, reason, it, it needs to live at like... 500 years and it might uh, spend a lot of energy and make a lot of compromises to do that evolutionarily i mean and there's in those trees they live five thousand years there's clonal yeah, animals that may have lived you know tens of thousands of years out there that's crazy man but um, I, like it's a good thing you're you're a clam because those 500 years would be fucking misery yeah look <laughs> i'll take 70 years of you know of this existence versus 500 years of sitting at the bottom of the fucking ocean filtering water. That's right. Thanks. That's got to get old. That's fast. right. And I, all I could think of was like, man, that thing would be pretty bad if you had to eat it. What a 500 year old clam tastes like. All right. Well, look, it's, if it's not in chowder, I don't want it. <laughs> it's 500. That's like some, that's some decadent. That's some like Davos, Switzerland shit right there. I was like, we got some 500 year old clam chowder coming your way. Get ready. <laughs> I know. Look, you dissect one bivalve, and I ask you to continue to eat those things whole. <laughs> I don't know how people do it. It's disgusting. You can't eat them. You can't eat clams. Uh, no, I'll eat them. I mean, I mean, like I've caught razor clams, and you just you clean them, and you just take their subductor muscles and stuff, or gooey ducks. You just take their muscle, but this whole clam eating business. Yeah, yeah. It's not for. I'm not eating your gonads and digestive tract. Really? Away. You, you, I'll, 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 you can cut the muscle out of them if you want, and I'll eat that. But I don't want the whole goddamn thing. I'll eat it. I'll eat it in clam chowder. And that's about it. Because I don't want to. Uh, think about what about oysters? Same deal. You're, you're, I'm not going to eat them down with the whole shit. organism. I, last time I ate a whole oyster was in Boy Scouts, and uh, I'm still I'm still horrified by all the people on the beach when we're catching clams, just shucking them and sucking them. Yeah, right there the on the beach, man. The like you're picking, you're picking fruit. You're just like fucking sucking the yeah the the slimy shit some, right out of the shell. I had some that were fried up, um, like in a cast iron skillet. They weren't bad. They were fine, but I wouldn't eat those slimy things live. No way. My dad used to do that. He was like, you just squirt some hot sauce on them and you shuck them. I'm like, how is that any? Jo- how is that enjoyable? How is that I like? I think people like the fresh seawater flavor they have. I can uh, understand it. I just can't. I just. I mean, all I see is the diagram of their body plan in my mind and how it's connected with all the other mollusks out there. And people wouldn't, like, just take a slug and slurp it down with some hot sauce on it. Oh, man. No. Well, oh, God, slugs are disgusting. <laughs> Fucking A. Yeah, no, there's a weird sort of, uh, uh, if it's in the sea, it's cool, right? Uh, I don't have well, a Well, I mean, there is something, something to say. Bizarre. It's sort of a saltwater versus freshwater. Saltwater organisms tend to be a bit safer to eat for some reason. Well, I always think of a giant, like, king crab. People fucking will kill for king crab. I fucking love king crab. I love king crab. 
But it is an arachnid. All crabs well, are. Its popularity is a modern thing. I mean, just imagine how much of a pain in the ass it is to catch crab. Oh, yeah. It's a King complete crabs. pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, Nobody it's, was it's, doing uh, it before they had big old fucking ships to go out in those terrible seas. Oh, yeah. To go like, you know, a thousand feet to the bottom of the ocean and grab these bizarre monsters off the bottom and then pull them back up and you know clean them and eat them yeah Yeah, that that, nobody was doing that's yeah you weren't finding like king crab just wandering on the beach going oh i'm sure every every once a while a fisherman would come across one but i think this whole people's just fascination with lobsters and crab it's got a but but isn't a crab an arachnid is it not an arachnid Mm, it's an arthropod i don't know if it's an arthropod oh it might i mean it's just it. If that shit was crawling around on land, you wouldn't touch it. You wouldn't ever think of. Would you eat it. a coconut crab? Just throw a coconut yeah. crab in. Uh, I mean, some of the land dwelling crabs and throw it in a. Uh, do people must eat those things? They do, but I, I think they're nah. They they don't seem as appetizing. Just a gut gut feeling. They, they yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all sort of learned. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people eat weird shit from the sea. I don't know why I eat weird shit from the sea. Don't have a problem with it. I won't eat a slug. I won't eat a snail. You know, won't eat bugs. A lot of people like snails. I don't, I don't eat grosser. Or than bugs. Clams. I don't like pick bugs off the wall and eat them. You know, mm, like uh, yeah. I mean, we eat some bug byproducts, but that's it. But that's just that's more of a societal thing. That's yeah. just our social standards. But that's like the like if you picked a a fucking bug off your wall and ate it. That's almost what you were saying, like shucking an oyster on the beach and slurping it down, right? I mean, you're just kind of picking some fucking grody little animal, uh, you know, and eating it. It just, just seems bizarre. I mean, I understand if you're hungry. Yeah, if you're hungry, but for fuck's sake, man. You're shucking, you're shucking oysters like a stone's throw from, you know, Ivor's Salmon House. You don't, you don't need to, you don't, you know, you don't, you're not surviving. Um, so I don't know if we, you want, Ebert, uh, just talking about the last bit of this. Oh yeah. We're still going through Ebert. Yeah. Ebert has a bizarre, uh, paragraph here at the end. I I read a couple of times trying to get a handle on it. I think basically his point is he talks about some movie that's very complex and he says that, uh, yeah, he's talking about this one. He gives this one example of people coming out of the movie, shaking their heads because they don't know what happened. Then he was excited because he got to go in after them and be mystified. So here's the last paragraph he goes every once in a while a movie like that comes along a movie you've got to see so that you too can be in the dark about it it's such fucking bullshit Whoa, that it's a terrible sentence and it's and it doesn't make any sense in the movie's own terms this can be said for sure i guess he's talking about this movie the um yeah you um May not make you an apathetic talking about the class, but it will certainly age you by two hours. Well, it's a, it's, it's like a shitty sort of, slam, that's, but that's sort of, that's sort of funny. It will age you, but I guess you're right. Because he's calling back to the the aging punishments in the movie. I, I, I don't, don't understand that. Uh, he's just dogging in the movie. I think I that guess. last that last line is sort of funny, though. I just All finally right. got the joke. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. That will age you by two. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, okay, so, I don't know, I, I, Zardoz is, uh, awesome. It, it ha- it's awesome, um, it, it has some silliness in it, I think it, it, it has this sheen of silliness that mm-hmm. I think, uh, uh, I didn't find it necessarily silly at all. No, but there's some moments that are kind of silly that, like, when he, uh, does that weird sort of, like, slide into the, um, the, uh, the crystal portal. There, oh, you know, oh out, out in the garden? I thought that was really neat. I, I thought that was really effective. 
Oh, really? You didn't. Th- you didn't find a little sort bit of, cheesy. With the, and... As an actor, he just walks behind these two pieces of glass, sitting yeah. at sixty degree angles, and then he, and then goes, he just Ooh. sort of pretends the fall. Yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty awesome. I mean, the thing about that is he falls, and then you see him sort of gently fall down. Through yeah, the he hovers the down into and, the, into the room. But the, and then the very next shot is uh, May just walking in from the side. Right. So she has a, she has control over this space, and he's sort of mystified with it. Right. I thought it was I thought it was nicely composed. It's a Zardoz is a fucking awesome movie. I I I, I you know I think it. It's it's weird that it that it uh, I guess maybe that's that's what great movies do they come or cult movies do they come on the scene and everybody kind of makes fun of them a little bit like Ebert and then uh, they pick up some steam but fuck man this movie's like forty years old and uh, it's still a great watch still relevant science fiction still great science fiction and it's totally thought provoking mm-hmm. and i don't think many films have dealt with this subject matter since at least in a in a serious way or at least in a thoughtful way there's not much know. hard sci-fi out there no there is fucking uh, you know those i mean it's it's so it's so not sci-fi that the star trek movies are at least the original star trek movie like the motion picture that's got a pretty good sci-fi idea in it now oh, the yeah, newer the yeah, newer yeah. ones are just fucking action movies right. about different types of people fighting each other, and it's right. bullshit. Right. Um, you know, I had not seen Zardoz. Oh, really? First watch. I of knew Zardoz. about it. Yeah, I knew about it, and uh, I remember the the stupid pictures of that outfit that yeah. Zed wears. And you know, I was thinking, oh, you know what I should do is we should do Barbarella right, right after this, which I have seen. But after seeing this movie. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You don't want to compare them, Barbarella. It's not worth it. I want to do Barbarella sometime, but I'm not going to conflate those two because they got nothing to do with each other. Uh, other than goofy Barbarella. outfits on sexy people. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind about of the. It. I mean, I think... I'm not going to say. I'm not going to put up Duran Duran <laughs> to set next to the characters in this movie. It's just not going to work. So um, I've decided if, if we're done with Zardoz, and we're done with Zardoz. Uh, that our next. I'm just going to go with a movie I've been wanting to do for a while. It's fairly recent. Uh, there was a sequel last year. I haven't seen either of them. Heard great things. Matt's seen this one. Is a, and I like to go to Southeast Asia every once in a while. I think they they do some great do some great stuff out there. And I think this is from Thailand. From, no, it's uh, Indonesian Jakarta. Oh, okay. Uh, from 2011 shows you how much I know about it. Other than it's supposed to be a great Southeast Asian action movie. Is the Raid: Colon Redemption? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I guess it's like a. It's just like an action movie that takes place place in like a tenement. That's all yeah, I know about it's, it. Yeah, it's 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 sort of. It's a, like I heard a, it's like a floor by floor action fest for right. An hour and it's 40 it's minutes. these cops going in to do a raid to like uh, there's like drug kingpins on on the higher floors or something of that you know and uh, anyway but it's uh, it's 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 like the story's carved out amidst just nonstop action. It's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's so. Uh, I've heard nothing but great stuff about this. Gonzo. Cra- it's John Woo taken to another level. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I first saw uh, Hard Boiled, you know, I think it was a, uh, a level of East Asian action that I was like, holy shit, you know, this is like, this is, I mean, defining, a, a defining film that defines a future genre. And I think the Raid Redemption, we'll, we'll be seeing bits of the Raid Redemption in like Hollywood shit-tastic movies for the next 10 years that will never come close to the original. Uh, or is so. it going to be a great action movie in 2030? 
you know, out of who knows somewhere. And the guy, like the young director is going to go, I saw the Raid Redemption when I yeah, was Yeah, I was really old. into Indonesian action. it just action. solidified, uh, you know, everything I love about film. <laughs> there you go. And it's like... Yeah. yeah, so, so uh, that's going to happen in two weeks. We're uh, I'm, we're taking a week off because uh, I'm heading heading on a little mini vacation. So, uh, but uh, we'll be back in two weeks. So until then, well done, well done. You've learned your lessons well. <laughs> <laughs>